Welcome back. This is episode three of my recital of Tipitaka. If this is your first time seeing me, click here instead. That'll take you to the Tipitaka playlist. Go ahead and start with episode one there. I'd like to welcome our special guest, Baby Buddha. Isn't he cute? See? Baby Buddha. Uh, you can see that same statue here. That was from my visit to Lumbini back in 2017, and I got that date right this time. Uh, Lumbini, Nepal, where the Buddha was born. Did you know the Buddha was Nepali? I'm only kidding. Okay, that's a little controversial. Uh, let me explain. Let's go to the map. Uh, would you, future Edward? Ah, very nice. So, um, the Buddha, according to tradition, was born over here in Lumbini, and then he meditated under the Bodhi tree in Bodhgaya, and then he began teaching in Sarnath, or near Varanasi, uh, near the Deer Park, or Sarnath, or however you want to put it, or are those two different things? I'm not sure. Depends on where you look. Anyway, they're right next to each other, so it doesn't matter all that much. Um, and then he passed away in Kushinagar. Now, in, uh, you remember Ashok? Um, he, yeah, there he is. Uh, Ashok, he uh, was around 300 species, and he went and built um, special pillars. He built his pillars all over the place, India, present-day Pakistan, Afghanistan, China. Uh, but he had a special one built at Lumbini, and the inscription said, you know, here is the place where the Buddha was born, something like that. Then over the over the you know the sands of time and what have you uh, went by and that location was kind of forgotten, and then in uh, 1768 you might remember if you uh, if you watched all the Jain sutras you remember me talking about the Gorkhas right? Um, well, anyway, the king of Gorkha uh, with his Gurkhas or Gorkhas. Uh, the, the soldiers with the curved blades and the funny hats. You know, curved, the, the, you know very serious. Anyway, um, so they, they went around and conquered all the local kingdoms and established in, in 1768 uh, what became known as the Kingdom of Nepal. So as you can see here, uh, the borders of Nepal were established in 1768, approximately 2,100 years after the Buddha was born. And then, uh, later, in 1896, there was a German with a rather unfortunate name, uh, Alois Anton, those names are fine, Führer is the unfortunate uh, surname. Anyway, he was uh, researching, you know, apparently he had interest in, in Buddha, Buddha, Buddhism, and uh, was reading some, or translating, or whatever it was, he, he, he came upon some, I believe it was 6th and 8th century Chinese Buddhist scholars who were talking about their pilgrimage to the birthplace of the Buddha. And then he got together with a general Kadga, Samsher Rana, and in 1896, they found the old Ashok pillar, and over time they were able to decipher the, uh, the writing and confirm, yes, this is where the Buddha was born. So um, 
as a result, you have the, well, you know, some, some could point out or say uh, soft power or national pride of, uh, you know, the Buddha having been born in Nepal, as you can see here. Um, there's much to do about that. And uh, so, yeah, the Dalai Lama made a controversial statement, not the one you're thinking of, unless you're Nepali than it is the one you're thinking of, uh, when he said that to say that the Buddha was born in Nepal is nonsense. And uh, a lot of people in Nepal, their response to that is, I won't do a voice. Their response to that is, uh, he's just saying that because Dharamshala is in India and uh, he's in tight with the Indian government and, you know, the, Chinese have been whispering in their ear that that you know, the Indians hate you. You, they're making fun of you. You know, so that kind of thing. So they have this sort of idea that India's, you know, like, oh no, the Buddha was Indian, not Nepali. And it's like, well, I can understand why the Dalai Lama would say that. Um, it would be more accurate to say that Nepal was established where the Buddha had been born because time moves forward. Um, it's kind of like saying that the great white buffalo goddess of the Lakota people was an American. It's kind of like that. Or, you know, as you know, nobody debates that the present day borders of China include Tibet. But it would be a little oversimplified to say that the Dalai Lama is Chinese, right? Um, so, yeah, well, anyway, I don't want to make too much of a controversial statement. That's not what this is about. Um, uh, it's just I can understand why the Dalai Lama said that, and I understand why uh, why the people in Nepal were upset about that. Um, they, you know, they take great pride in the fact that the Buddha was born in Nepal. I went to Nepal before I came to India because the Buddha was born there, and, uh, you know, I was on a pilgrimage. I didn't know I was going to meet Priyal and get married and settle here for the rest of my life at that time. That was a surprise, a very pleasant surprise. And I've uh, so far I've been to uh, Sarnath, Bodh Gaya, and Lumbini, but I have yet to go to Kushinagar. Um, yeah, at some point I'll do that. But anyway, that's enough about that, wouldn't you say? Would, would you like me to get to the reading? Okay, okay, I'll get to the reading. So, picking up right where we left off last time. <clears throat> then the Lord addressed the venerable Ananda, saying, quote, Now, Ananda, it is the custom for Tathagatas not to tour the country for alms food without having first taken leave of those by whom they have been invited to spend the rain. Right. Okay, I remember this. Uh, when there's monsoon season in India, it's like from July to August where there's a lot of rain and all that. And there's a tradition among the hardcore yogis, which I believe, you know, it, it's just sort of understood at this point. Maybe they'll go into it later. But the, the original Sangha would only spend a maximum of, like, I think, two weeks, no longer than two weeks in one area. So they would they would you know settle in one area, they would preach the the, the Dharma, 
and then they would move on. Unless it was the rains, unless it was monsoon season, in which case they would spend maybe a month and a half or two months in one area. So, so what it's saying here is that uh, when someone has a, when an, a neighborhood has invited them to spend the rains there, that's a very generous invitation because five hundred basically beggars, people who need to be fed, uh, who aren't working, you know, aren't doing anything other than preaching the Dharma. So that's, that's what that's in reference to, if I understand correctly, which I'm pretty sure I do. Anyway, <clears throat> so yeah, you remember in, uh, in the episode one of Tipitaka, that Brahmin who was like, you did not sit and offer a seat, you did not stand and offer a seat and give honor and blessings to the local Brahmin. This is disrespectful. And then the Buddha converted him and he said, please let me be a layman in your Buddhist Sangha and please spend the rains here. So that's what that means, spending the rains somewhere. is a very generous invitation from the local Brahmin. Okay. Moving right along, uh, Bodhisena, the, uh, this is much later, of course, Bodhisena was known as a uh, Buddhist Brahmin. So uh, he, was, he was one who went to Japan, young, young Kukai, before he went to China and brought Vajrayana back. Uh, he grew up around Bodhisena. I believe Bodhisena was from um, Tamil. If I'm not mistaken, he was from southern India for sure. But uh, one of the things they say about him was he was a Buddhist Brahmin. So he was raised as a Brahmin, converted to Buddhism, presumably. Um, so that's a thing. It happens. Not always. Doesn't always happen. Um, I've, I've heard from, from the other side, as it were, uh, I don't know what this person was making reference to, but he was saying, yes, there's all kinds of documentations about Brahmins arguing with Buddhists or Brahmins arguing with the Buddha and winning the argument, you know. That, so, so there's like a, a counterpoint to this where the Brahmins are like, oh, you preach the doctrine of non-existence. And then the Buddha says, uh, well, yes, of course I do. And they say, well, if you don't exist, then I guess there's nobody here for me to argue with. And since I exist, then my truth is the right one. Ha, ha, ha. Hindus win the argument, you know. Uh, anyway. I don't think they called them Hindus back then. But anyway, the Brahmins win the argument. Remember the caste system? Do you know about that? Anyway. Okay, sorry. I will continue reading. <clears throat> okay, so we must take leave of those by whom we have been invited by to spend the rains. Let us go, Ananda, to the Brahmin of Varanya, and we will take leave. So be it, Lord, answered the venerable Ananda. Then the Lord, taking his bowl and robe, and departing with the venerable Ananda and his attendant, came to the dwelling of the Brahmin of Varanya. And having come up, he sat down on the appointed seat. Then the Brahmin of Varanya came up to the Lord, and having come up, he greeted the Lord and sat down to one side. The Lord said to the Brahmin of Varanya, as he was sitting to one side, quote, Brahman, having spent the rains invited by you, we are taking leave of you. We wish to tour the country for alms. End quote. The Brahman replies, quote, It is true, good Gotama, that you have spent the rains invited by me, but that the gifts 
to mendicants, in parentheses, were not given. This was not because we did not want to give, but how was it possible? For the household life is busy and there is much to be done. May the revered Gautama consent to eat with me tomorrow, together with the company of monks, end quote. The Lord consented by keeping silence. Then the Lord, having taught, roused, gladdened, and delighted the Brahmin of Viranya with Dhamma talk, or Dharma talk for the Sanskrit folk, rose from his seat and went away. Then the Brahmin of Viranya, having had prepared abundant hard and soft foods in his own home by the end of the night, made the time known to the Lord. Quote, it is time, good Gautama, the meal is ready. End quote. Then the Lord, rising up early and taking his bowl and robe, came up to the dwelling of the Brahmin of Viranya. Having come up together with the company of monks, he sat down on the appointed seat. Then the Brahmin of Viranya, having served with his own hand abundant food, both hard and soft, to the company of monks, with the enlightened one as their head, and having satisfied them, when the Lord had eaten and finished his meal, he clothed him with the threefold robes, and he clothed each monk with a set of garments. Then the Lord, having instructed, roused, gladdened, and delighted the Brahmin of Viranya with talk on Dhamma, rose from his seat and departed. Then the Lord, having remained at Viranya for as long as he found suitable, Returning by Surya, Sankasa, and Sanakuja, came to Titana, and having come to Titana, and crossing the river Ganges, or Ganga, it's funny how they, they go ahead and use the Sanskrit name, not like some anglicized version of, you know, anyway, and they say Ganges, okay, by the river Ganga, uh, he went down to Benares, and the Lord, having remained at Benares for as long, maybe they're worried people think it says Ganja. Ganga, with a G, is the river Ganges. Ganja, with a J, is marijuana. Okay, so now you know. Sometimes people do the one while sitting on the banks of the other. By people, I mean... I'm not going to incriminate myself. Um, and the Lord, having remained at Benares for as long as he found suitable, set out for Vasali for alms. In due course, wandering for alms, he arrived at Vasali. Thank you. The Lord stayed there at Vasali in the gabled hall in the great wood. Told is the recital on Varanya. It says here. I don't know why. Let's read on and maybe we'll find out. Now at that time, not far from Visali, was a village called Kalandaka. The son of a Kalandaka, the great merchant there, was named Sudina, the Kalandaka. 
Now, Sudina, the Kalandaka, went to Vasali, together with many friends, on some business. At that time, the Lord was seated, surrounded by a great company of people, and teaching Dhamma. When Sudina, the Kalandaka, saw the Lord seated, surrounded by a great company of people, and teaching Dhamma, he thought, quote, What now if I were to listen to Dhamma? End quote. Then Sudina, the Kalandaka, came up to this company, and having come up, he sat down to one side. As he was sitting to one side, Sudina, the Kalandaka, thought, Quote, so far as I understand Dhamma taught by the Lord, it is no easy matter for one who lives in a house to lead the Brahma life, complete and undefiled and polished like a conch shell. Now, what now if I were to cut off my hair and beard and don the yellow robes and go forth from home into homelessness? End quote. When the crowd had been taught, roused, gladdened, and delighted by the Lord with talk on Dhamma, and had risen from their seats, greeting the Lord, and walking round him, keeping their right side towards him, they departed. And not long after the crowd had departed Sudina, the Kalandaka came up to the Lord, and having come up, he greeted the Lord and sat down to one side. As he was sitting to one side, Sudina, the Kalandaka, spoke thus to the Lord. Quote, Lord, so far as I understand Dhamma taught by the Lord, it is not an easy matter for one who lives in a house to lead the Brahma life complete and undefiled and polished like a conch shell. I desire, Lord, having cut off my hair and beard and having donned the yellow robes, to go forth from home into homelessness. May this, may the Lord let me go forth. End quote. The Buddha replies, quote, But, Sudina, have you your parents' consent to go forth? End quote. No, Lord, I have not my parents' consent to go forth. Buddha replies, Sudina, Tathagatas do not ordain a child without the parents' consent. End quote. I didn't realize he was a child. Okay, now we know. I will do whatever is necessary, this is in quotes, so that my parents will consent to my going forth from home into homelessness, Lord. End quote. Then Sudina, the Kalandaka, having finished his business in Vasali, went up to his parents in the village of Kalandaka, and having come up to his parents, he spoke thus, quote, Mother and father, sorry, in so far as I understand Dhamma taught by the Lord, it is no easy matter for one who lives in a home to lead the Brahma life, complete undefiled and polished like a conch shell. 
Having cut off my hair and beard and donned the yellow robes, I wish to go forth from home into homelessness. Give me your consent to go forth from home into homelessness. End quote. When the Sudina, the Kalandaka, had spoken thus, his parents said to him, quote, But you, dear Sudina, are our only child. Dear and beloved, you live in comfort and are well cared for. Dear Sudina, you do not know anything of discomfort. Your death would make us desolate with no pleasure left. How can we, while you are still living, consent that you should go forth from home into homelessness? End quote. A second time, Sudina the Kalandaka spoke thus to his parents. Mother and father. From home into homelessness? Oh, right, right. Okay, mother and father, dot, dot, dot. And then dot, 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 from home into homelessness. So he just repeated everything that he said. All right. A third time, Sudina the Kalandaka spoke thus to his parents, mother and father, dot, 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 from home into homelessness. Then Sudina the Kalandaka said, My parents do not consent to my going forth from home into homelessness. End quote. So he lay down on the bare ground and said, I will die here or go forth. End quote. Then Sudina the Kalandaka did not eat one meal nor did he eat two, two, sorry, <clears throat> meals. Nor did he eat three meals, nor did he eat four meals, nor did, he didn't eat one meal, I get it. He didn't eat five, six, or ten meals. Okay, anyway, sorry. Nor did he eat five meals, nor did he eat six meals, nor did he eat seven meals. So he skipped seven meals. Okay, he'd be pretty hungry by that, I imagine. And then the parents of Sudina the Kalandaka spoke thus to him, quote, Dear Sudina, you are our only child, dear and beloved. You live in comfort and are well cared for. Dear Sudina, you know nothing of discomfort. Your death would make us desolate with no pleasure left. How can we, while you are still living, Consent that you should go forth from home into homelessness. Get up, dear Sudina, eat and drink and amuse yourself. Eating, drinking, amusing yourself, delighting in sensual pleasures and doing, meritor doing meritorious deeds. Enjoy yourself. We do not consent to your going forth from home into homelessness. When they had spoken thus, Sudina the Kalandaka was silent. A second time, and a third time, the parents of Sudina the Kalandaka said, We do not consent to your going forth from home into homelessness. A third time was Sudina the Kalandaka silent. Then the friends of Sudina the Kalandaka came up to him, and having come up, they spoke to him thus, quote, You, good Sudina, are your parents' only child, dear and beloved. You live in comfort and are well cared for. You do not know anything, good Sudana, of discomfort. Your death would make your parents desolate with no pleasures left. How can they, while you are still living, consent that you should go forth from home into homelessness? Get up, good Sudina, 
Eat and drink and amuse yourself. Eating, drinking, and amusing yourself take delight in sensual pleasures. And doing meritorious deeds, enjoy yourself. Your parents cannot consent to your going forth from home into homelessness. When they had spoken thus, Sudina the Kalandaka was silent. A second and a third time, the friends of Sudina the Kalandaka spoke thus to him. You, good Sudina, are... Quote, dot, dot, dot. And a third time, Sudina the Kalandaka was silent. I wonder if the whole thing's actually written out in the original Pali, and for the English translation, they opted to, like, well, this is exactly the same as what they just said, and it's a, let's shorten it a bit. Then the friends of Sudina, the Kalandaka, went up to his parents, and having come up to them, they said, Mother and father, this Sudina, lying on the bare ground, says that he will die there or go forth. If you do not consent to Sudina's going forth from home into homelessness, he will die there. But if you consent to his going forth from home into homelessness, after he has gone forth, you may see him again. If he does not enjoy the going forth from home into homelessness, what alternative will he have than to come back here? Consent to Sudina's going forth from home into homelessness. So they replied, We consent, my dears, to Sudina's going forth from home into homelessness. They said, Then the friends of Sudina, the Kalandaka, went up to him, and having gone up, they said to him, Get up, good Sudina, your parents consent to your going forth from home into homelessness. Then Sudina the Kalandaka said, quote, They say that my parents consent to my going forth from home into homelessness. End quote. He rose, joyful, delighted, elated, smoothing his limbs with his hands. Okay. Then Sudina the Kalandaka, after a few days when he had regained his strength, went up to the Lord, and having come up, he greeted the Lord and sat down to one side. As he was sitting to one side, Sudina the Kalandaka spoke thus to the Lord, I am permitted by my parents, Lord, to go forth from home into homelessness. May the Lord allow me to go forth. Then Sudina the Kalandaka received the, the Pabaja orientation in the presence of the Lord. And he received the Upasamada or the Upasampada orientation. And not long afterwards, the venerable Sudina went about with these qualities to the fore. He was a dweller in the jungle, a beggar for alms, one who wore rags taken from the dust heap. The one who went on continuous alms begging from house to house, and he dwelt depending on a certain village of the Vagians. Well, that bit had a happy ending, right? I guess. No, I think so. Okay. Well, we will pick up right where we left off next time. And uh, thank you for... Uh,
for going on this ride with me. We'll close. To the north and to the south, to the east and to the west, to the spirits of light among us and to the spirits below, we send out our reverent love and compassion. May all beings be happy. May all beings be serene. May all beings be in peace. Until next time.